Welcome back to another episode of Sustainetic Sustainable Finance Solutions podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and to cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Nishan, who work in sales and business development across the Asia-Pacific. Hey Nick, welcome back to yet another episode of the podcast. So to start off with, would you like to highlight some of the key themes and trends that you've noticed in the sustainable finance space of the past month? I'm, I'm sure there have been quite a few. Thanks, Nishant, and a big welcome to you as well as another co-host on our monthly podcast, and hopefully we'll get you back a few more times by the end of the year, Nishant, and to provide a, a greater perspective us from the Indian market, which will be greatly appreciated. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, I guess, to all of our other listeners, which continue to grow by the month. In terms of Nishant, basically to, to answer that question directly, a couple of key things that we'll really be highlighting across the podcast today it's just the ongoing amount of regulatory changes and, and references. We've seen a lot of action on the EU green bond standard and, and really what flow through effects that has. We've seen green loan principles updated, sustainability link loan principles updated, ongoing taxonomies come out. We've seen the TNFD, the Task Force for Nature-Based Financial Disclosures, up to, I think, beta version four or thereabouts. Um, getting ready for their launch in September. So lots of just references, regulations, and really important ones as well. And then also, Nishant, we just want to highlight for our listeners a few key key deals highlighting a bit of activity in the IT space, the agri space, the commodity space, autos uh, coming up back again, and then a little bit of a glimpse into um, a little bit of um, further action on the social side of thing and even more growth in the social loan side. So yeah, a couple of key themes to uh, to focus on for uh, for sure. Thanks, Nick. Uh, sure. Would you like to dive straight into it then on the key themes that you've noticed? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as part of the the sort of the themes or the the news uh, the news roundup, look, I think we all know that the market's been a bit mixed. This podcast isn't really a financial outlook or bond market outlook. We just talk about the labelled aspects of the market, which don't occur in a vacuum. They're obviously related to the broader market dynamics, which I think we can just say is as, as mixed and probably have a few bumps um, here and there, but let's see how that goes. Really, if you look at the first quarter numbers, and we'll talk about this in the podcast next episode, um, was pretty, pretty good and solid start to the year. Um, some records and different ways of measuring things for sustainable finance in the first quarter but it's not outside of a context for different um, more market moves and we'll see what, what happens more um, more globally as we go forward. Climate tech, obviously, with what happened with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, I don't think we've done a, a podcast since then. Again, we're not really here to discuss financial markets in, in detail, more of the impacts of what's happening in the world to sustainable finance and vice versa. Probably not great for climate tech at the moment with some of the, the pools of money drying up or they probably were drying up before um, that happened to Silicon Valley Bank and, and others. So let's see what ripples that has into climate tech, which is a pretty hot sector. And hopefully in sustainable finance, we see a bit more money going to these R&D projects and different types of, of ways supporting, enabling type uh, type companies. So hopefully they're not too put out by some of the ongoing movements with, uh, with the banks and, and things. Just to highlight to our listeners, 
Um, over the last few weeks, Sustainalytics launched its um, long-awaited low-carbon transition rating. So do check that out. It's on our website and other places. But I guess what that shows is more and more insights into the more scientific elements of um, low-carbon transition, different ways to measure it. In this case, we've got a lot of management indicators connecting to that and you know, really useful uh, reports at, at company level. So do check that out. We'll talk more about it on the, on the podcasts going forward. A couple of interesting things. We saw the, the concept of sort of relinking emerge again in, in, um, from the Bank of China, the relinked notes or the having a linked bond connected to link loans that it's funding. So this whole linking or relinking or having a use of proceeds or normal style bond and then flowing through to funding something on the specific money out the door side, I think seems to be getting a few legs again. So let's see, see how that develops. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, let's keep moving. There's loads of information here. And at the moment in the markets, um, the TNFD, as I mentioned before, beta four. And I think what that means is when it gets formally launched in September, there's a number of aspects of metrics, best practices, disclosures. And I think hopefully that'll just standardize a bit more the way we think about biodiversity and what we can mainly look to measure. That'll create comparability. That'll create an ability to compare across companies which means that then puts it nicely for linked transactions and obviously to ongoing fund different use of proceeds connected to biodiversity as well. So definitely check that out. And again, just highlights one of the things I mentioned at the start of the podcast, the amount of ongoing key references, core references that are coming out in the market. So my reading inbox has never been as full. What else we got? Just a just an FYI or, or an update to our listeners as well. I was down for the Kanga News sustainable debt finance conference in Sydney around back end of March and really useful um, event. Check out some of the the work that will come from that. A lot of talk about about biodiversity, nature disclosures, offsets, carbon markets, TCFD, manager reporting, et cetera, et cetera. Some really key markets in Australia continues to go from strength to strength in terms of activity connected to a lot um, labelled loans and other uh, things. Staying down under, so to speak, is an interesting update on the taxonomy developments there. So more more announcements being made. No technical thresholds included in the Australian taxonomy at the moment, but the recommendations have been put forward and I think that's shaping up nicely. You'll have a good section on transition that really continues to come alive. And the other one worth checking out, I haven't read this in enough detail yet, I've skimmed through it, is the Canadian taxonomy. So again, back to that key thing we talked about at the start of the podcast, the amount of references coming out, taxonomies, TNFDs, updated principles, is a lot going on. And I think the Canadian taxonomy has a pretty progressive approach on transition. So it's great to see, and even with the Australia proposed taxonomy, a lot of these taxonomies now wanting to encapsulate transition, how are these documents used to support and enable transition and not just the pure deep green, which is great. Moving on to another market reference, basically the EU GBS, so the Green Bond Standard. They've been talked about for a while. Now we understand. I'm not an expert on the political process in Europe, but there's largely been an agreement on uh, enough to step forward um, with those um, proposals and recommendations. It'll still be voluntary Still a lot of work to do in terms of ironing out some of the details, but I think there's good things like 15% of use of proceeds with that label don't have to map specifically to the taxonomy. It's not a free pass. I think there'll be a lot of templates which people can use. Again, maybe they can't comply with all of the aspects of the taxonomy for an issuer in, say, Asia, but some of these templates connected into that 
structure, I think, will be used. And yeah, watch uh, watch this space because that'll start to really um, ramp up and come out hopefully sooner rather than uh, than later. And obviously up the ante in terms of what's required, uh, what's prescribed in terms of a second party opinion and frameworks. That'll really lift the bar um, for a big part of the market, and we'll see who can who can comply and who references aspects of that. A couple of other things, Nishant, to, to sort of whip through. The blue theme keeps coming up. And again, we saw the, the High Seas Treaty come up a few weeks ago on more of our oceans to be um, conserved and protected, which is great. So we'll see a lot more blue themes continue to come. There's been some interesting articles from Environmental Finance, a great resource on SLBs being a hedge um, against sustainability policies in, in some of the emerging markets. So let's see if there's a bit more action in that space. What, uh, what are some talk about transition bonds and whether we need a transition finance standard um, or a set of um, principles to support that aspect of the market? So that really continues to heat up. Another one we mentioned at the start of the podcast, the updated SLLPs and GLPs. Do check those out. The SLLPs, I think, have some interesting aspects of a lot of things we naturally do as a, as a second-party opinion provider anyway, but making sure targets are beyond BAU, beyond regulatory minimums, getting yearly verifications, a little bit on sleeper SLLs and making sure they're documented within 12 months. So some really good subtle guidance in that, a lot of what's good practice in the market already. A couple more things just to just to round off. Um, thanks to Sustainable Finance and also to our customers across the board, both in APAC and and both globally, Sustainalytics continues to maintain its dominant market position and number one position of about 25% plus of the SPO market, which is uh, which is great and becoming a more competitive market to lead. Um, and we're still very pleased that we're out um, in front and strive to be so. So thanks for everyone's support of our business. And look, really, they're the main sort of highlights. There continues to be articles around greeniums, around greenwashing, some really good reports from Irina in terms of renewable energy and ongoing investments there, IEA, some great reports on just transition. And then our friends at the Climate Bond Inst- I was going to say Institute, Climate Bonds Initiative have come out with some really good papers on the new agri-food transitions criteria and a little bit on uh, bioenergy as well. So do check on an ongoing basis all of the work that, um, that comes out of Climate Bonds Initiatives. So look, that's a general sort of um, roundup. Nishant, I'll, I'll hand the ball back to you. Do you want to take us through some of the highlights on both the SLB and SLL market, which I think have still been pretty bubbly and dynamic recently? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks, Nick, for uh, that. That was super insightful. I think to talk about some of the notable SLBs and SLL transactions of the past month, uh, you know, they are continuing to grow. And um, from the SLBs, we've seen TELUS, who's a telecom operator based in Canada, uh, prize its fourth sustainability link bond offering. Their KPIs were focused on GHA emissions on scope one, two, and three, and also committing to the science-based targets. Uh, another one was Pandora, which is a Danish jewelry manufacturer and retailer, has an SLB with two KPIs focusing on scope one, two, and three emissions, and a third KPI on 100% recycled silver and gold by 2025. Uh, from the pharma sector, we saw Teva Pharma, which is an Italian-based firm, raise $2 billion in sustainability-linked senior notes offering, and the KPIs were on GG emissions. Moving on to some of the SLLs that we have seen in the past month, Grupo Bimbo issued roughly $2 billion sustainability-linked multi-currency revolving credit facilities. 
Uh, we also saw Japan Airlines signing uh, the first Japanese airline sustainability linked loan with their KPI focused on scope on emissions. The other transactions um, are also very interesting. Craig Moore, which is a New Zealand-based agricultural investment firm, signing up an SLL looking on KPIs on emissions, animal welfare, and biodiversity. So that was an interesting one. SAP, the tech giant, signed a $3 billion sustainability-linked facility focusing on huge emissions and proportion of women in senior management positions. We also saw the Chinese fintech giant uh, Ant Group do a $400 million transaction sustainability-linked derivative, looking at environmental KPIs on improving server efficiency in the lease data center space and reducing scope 3 emissions. They also have a social impact KPI leveraging the uh, company's sizable user base and ecosystem. Another transaction that we saw was Viterra, which is one of the largest agribusinesses in Australia. They did a sustainability-linked inventory loan, tying up the SPDs to origination of domestic sustainability-grown grain. So that was uh, an interesting one. And um, another one was from Airtrunk, which is a hyperscale data centers uh, company based in Australia. They raised a $430 million SLL for uh, the Japanese arm, meaning all of its debt funding is linked to sustainability commitments. The new SLL in Japan is going to primarily focus on combining operating energy and water efficiency as the KPIs. So yeah, those were some of the transactions and flavors from the SLBs in the SLL space, uh, Nick. Uh, Moving on to our next segment, uh, we'll take up some of the questions from the listeners from the last month. Uh, And this is, again, just a reminder for our listeners to write to us with your questions and feedback at podcast.sustainalytics.com. The first question coming to you, Nick, um, you know, you highlighted on the GLPs and SLLPs um, as the updates. What would you say are some of the key takeaways for our listeners and what we can, uh, you know, use in our practical uh, usage across? It's a great question. And again, just highlights the amount of references coming to market. Um, I think for both, the addition of the wording, which was already in the linked loan principles, but more about revolvers and more about contingent instruments and certainly more about revolvers and then contingent instruments really specifically mentioned on the green loan principles, which is quite new. So I think that's a key takeaway. And I think what that means is there's more trade structures, there's more short-term structures, there's more revolving structures that are going to enter these markets. More products means that this is more relevant for more customers and, and volumes of financing can be more, which great, hopefully, will will drive more impact. And then, as I mentioned before, Nishant, I think there's some good Q&A about uh, and guidance documents on the Blink loans and the sleeper SLLs. If something is not quite there yet, should it be called an SLL? Probably not until, it's, until all the SBT and KPIs have been sorted out. Um, there's a neutral bracket for pricing, in SLLs, there was also, you know, really this core concept of going beyond BAU and beyond regulatory um, sort of minimums, which, which again, you know, detailed second-party opinion providers have been largely looking at those aspects and the market's been largely expecting many of those best practice elements already. But I think if you look at it, a key takeaway is me is the type of instruments envisaged and that'll really start to blossom into a whole range of different structures and then a lot of best practices just incorporated and built into that. Uh, they got the supplementary um, guidance connected to those docs. Awesome. Thanks for that, Nick. Another question 
from one of our listeners was the on the brand new offering by Sustainetics on low carbon transition ratings. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and also how it could you know potentially be used for SLNs? Yeah, so I'd encourage our listeners, check it out on our website, which will have a more scientific explanation. But the 30-second version is, look, essentially what we're doing there is forecasting and estimating the cumulative emissions from now until 2050 for a company, looking at how that compares to how that relates to a benchmark or a budget, seeing how much overshoot. Generally, most companies have a bit of an overshoot and then converting that overshoot really into a implied temperature score but after looking at how much of that overshoot can someone you know, really manage through carbon prices, through CapEx alignment, through different programs and policies and procedures they have, can they squeeze down that cumulative emissions to have less to manage through all the things they're doing? And then basically that overshoot's converted to a implied temperature score, which may mean you know, if you're above 1.5 degrees, you're, you're misaligned, you're above two, you're above three, progressively misaligned by different amounts. But what I think we'll see is hopefully later this year, Sustainalytics, once the dust settles around that rating, will hopefully open it up or definitely open it up for corporate use cases around getting subscriptions and licenses, possibly connecting and running that through to SLLs um, as well or linked uh, link loans like what we do or can do with the ESG risk rating. We know that KPIs are largely used in transactions these days, but ratings can also have a role to play. So hopefully for fourth quarter this year or later in the year, we'll be able to roll that out for the specific um, purpose of, of bank structuring that into loans to connect it as a as a, um, a sustainability performance target or SPT. Great. Uh, thanks for sharing those insights, Nick, from our uh, question from the listeners. Uh, moving on to the next uh, section, would you like to highlight any noteworthy green bonds or loan transactions that have happened over the past one month? Yeah, so a few a few different things. Look, there has been a reasonable amount of activity. We always start in the sovereigns because sovereigns catalyze many markets. Germany was active again. Uh, Brazil's got some plans. Colombia's got some plans. Canada has seen a few municipals active. We've seen a couple of things done in Jordan. We've seen a bit of action on the property side. We've seen more action on the banking side. Um, Khan Bank in Mongolia, interestingly enough, in Tessa. In, um, in Italy on that uh, banking side, the IFC has been pretty active. You then look at sort of utilities, renewables, Brookfield, pretty active. Bruce Power that had done some nuclear before in Canada, again, active in the market. Um, then you've got a whole range of your, your harder to abate, your different sort of sectors such as um, Jindal Steel in, uh, in India, um, Nestle, not Nestle, which is more chocolates, Nestle. I think I'm probably saying that wrong for sustainable aviation um, fuel, one of the leaders there doing a label issuance. Lots of different sectors in, in a nutshell there. One of the things we did want to also highlight, as mentioned at the start of the podcast too, was some of the thematics. And there's been a lot of an uptick in sort of the auto side of things as well. So I guess probably record breaking expected to be done this year. You know, you've got Toyota um, Japan issuing a few years ago. You've got Volkswagen a few years ago. You've got Ford. You've got Honda. You've got Mercedes. Basically, that list continues to evolve and continue as many of these companies are really getting into EVs and that side of things. So I think that auto sector is one to keep an eye on and see how that grows over the year with lots of those companies looking at different aspects of, of EVs and, and so forth. The only other couple of sectors to, to mention was A-Hole, Delhaes. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong too, so apologies for our German listeners or Swiss listeners there, supermarket or retail chain. 
good to see you entering back in the green bond space. So a, a classic case of a green bond, then a linked bond, and then I think um, back into the, the green bond side of things. Telco infrastructure, MBN in Australia, raising uh, over 2 billion uh, euro European green bond. Um, great, to, great to see. Um, and uni- a university, also NUS, University of Singapore, uh, work with UOB um, to issue another green bond, which I think is on top of, of something they did a couple of years back. And we've seen a couple of um, universities in Australia be pretty uh, pretty active. So pretty mixed segments there. Not a lot to report back, Nishant, in terms of the, the green loan side of things. Generally utilities, generally property, the odd bank, uh, but nothing really call out specifically. Uh, but again, I might um, hand the new ball back or not so new ball back to you, Nishant, in terms of the social side. Um, anything that you really noticed or jumped out to you on that side, be the be it um, bonds or um, or loans. Yeah, thanks for that, Nick. So I think talking about social, you know, that's mostly in combination uh, with green and social via the sustainability bonds. But then we saw a few uh, label transactions on their own. And uh, social loan interest uh, definitely continues to grow after the SLPs were published in 2021. And, uh, uh, you know, already the lending is two-thirds higher than in uh, 23 compared to 2022 for the same duration. But we have seen a couple of uh, good examples here. Uh, State Bank of India, they secured an upsized uh, 1 billion syndicated social loan facility. This is the second largest social loan signed to date. And the loan is uh, going to fund uh, social projects, including affordable housing and small and medium-sized business lending, including uh, for women entrepreneurs and smallholder farms. The largest one, you know, was signed by HDFC back in August 2022, again in India. A couple of other, uh, you know, interesting transactions. Bureau Bangladesh, which is a microfinance-focused development firm, they signed up a social loan uh, to provide microfinancings to individuals and businesses, basically looking at supporting ele- elevation of property, generating employment, and uh, supporting small agricultural and business entrepreneurs. The other interesting issuance was by NatWest, which was a 5 million euro bond, and which is looking to refinance existing and uh, finance new loans to women-led enterprises and women entrepreneurs. So those are some of the you know social flavor transactions that we've seen. A question back to you, Nick, on label products. Would you say you saw anything notable over the past one month on label products? Yeah, I might answer that, Nishant, and I'll and I'll just add another couple of sections on as we sort of get to the end of the uh, podcast. A couple of things on transition and just the regulations too. I'll sort of lump that together. But yeah, look, first of all, on on label products again, it's probably more of the same. But like what we mentioned before about green loan um, principles, link loan principles, that'll probably stimulate another round of innovations from the um, from the banks. But look, label products, we saw some loan funds, we saw some green home loans, we saw some time deposits, sustainable, probably use of proceeds based. We saw some EV car loans. We saw a little bit of action on the supply chain side of things for, for Henkel and greening supply chains. We saw some debt for nature swaps which I guess are not necessarily labelled, but connected to this whole space with blended finance and these newer areas um, and more link loan programs coming up. In terms of transition, not a whole lot to report back on the Shant, apart from Japan continues to to come up with more uh, specifically labelled transactions, um, MOL, 
one of the shipping companies has done a labeled at least linked linked transaction there's a bit more ongoing action in the indian um, steel industry rmi or rocky mountain institute came up with um, some papers around um, around steel which is relevant for multiple markets what else have we um, have we got? And then ongoing talk in shipping, more more shipping about LNG, LNG dual fuel ships, and those sorts of things. So bits and pieces in, in in transition sort of flavor. The final ones to mention, and again, we've probably discussed this earlier in the podcast. It's just the amount of regulations and country activities. As I said, the EU GBS will be a one to key to watch. Uh, we've seen some activity across LATAM. We've seen increased activity across Japan, particularly in transition labelled space. Um, China continues to grow. Uh, bits and pieces in, in uh, Cambodia and those sort of markets. And then when you're based uh, or where you're based in um, Nishant, more papers about whether it's steel or in this case India's coal power plants and linked green bonds as a solution to repurposing some of those. So, you know, India, like other markets, pretty pretty dynamic and interesting what's going on there at the moment. So, I think that takes us to all the formal parts, Art Nishant. So hopefully we haven't scared you off on your podcast debuts and look forward to, to having you back in future episodes. Not at all, Nick. Your pleasure to have this podcast with you. Uh, and thanks to our listeners. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. The links to the articles and uh, reports are mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter handle at Sustainalytics and send us any questions or feedback our way. Thanks for tuning in. And again, until next time. Thank you. Copyright 2023 Sustainalytics. All rights reserved. Sustainalytics does not assess current market trends, legal or regulatory developments, but only opines on recent ESG-relevant developments. The information and data contained herein are proprietary of Sustainalytics and or third-party content providers. These are intended for informational, non-commercial use only, and may not be copied, distributed, or used in any other way, including via citation. These do not constitute an endorsement of any product or project, nor investment advice or expert opinion, are not part of any offering and do not constitute an offer or indication to buy or sell securities, and have not been submitted to nor received approval from any relevant regulatory bodies. Sustainalytics assumes no responsibility for the reliability, completeness, or accuracy of any opinion provided herein, and makes no representation or warranty as to any of the information, including without limitation, any representation or warranty that the information or any portion of it is accurate, complete, or suitable for a particular purpose. Neither Sustainalytics Morningstar nor its content providers are responsible for any damages or losses arising from any use of this information, and use is subject to conditions available at www.sustainalytics.com forward slash legal disclaimers.